You are listening to the VBAC Link podcast, episode number two. Today we have our very own Megan on the podcast with us, and she's going to share the story of her VBAC after two C sections. And boy, what a story it is. We are so excited to have Megan right here as our very first VBAC story episode. <laughs> You are tuned in to the VBAC Link podcast with Julie Frankham and Megan Heaton, VBAC moms, doulas, and educators here to help you get inspired for birth after having a C-section. Together, they have created a robust VBAC preparation course along with this uplifting podcast for women who are preparing for their VBAC. Although these episodes are VBAC specific, they encourage all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a cesarean from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here are your hosts, Julie and Megan. But before we get into any of it, Megan herself has our review of the week. Okay, you guys, we have a review today from Terry, and then it says CNM, which for anyone that does not know what CNM stands for, it's Certified Nurse Midwife. So that just makes me smile that a midwife (laughs) is commenting on our, or giving us a review. And this is on the Apple Podcasts. She says, I am a home birth CNM. These doulas are on point. I'm referring all my VBAC clients to this podcast. They are interesting and give great info. Also, a wide variety of topics and guests. Thank you so much, Terry. Terry CNM, we love you. We love you. (laughs) Thanks for the referrals. You guys, you know what? Every time we get a review like this, we screenshot it, we share it with each other, and we get so, so, so excited. It really makes our day. You know, we're just a couple of stay-at-home moms. We've got seven kids between the two of us, and Mm. we really work hard to bring you this incredible content every week. And it takes some time. But you know what makes it all worth it for us is getting these reviews just like the one Megan read for you today. So if you haven't already, head on over to Apple Podcasts or Podbean or Facebook or even Instagram and shoot us a message. Leave us five-star rating. Tell us what about this podcast really makes your heart sing because let me tell you, you doing that is going to make our hearts sing and it really motivates us to keep bringing you all these amazing stories from these amazing women every week. It also helps all of the women out there who are searching for stories that are just like these on the podcast to be able to be found. Yeah. It bumps up our ratings and makes, makes us Apple show us. up higher <laughs> on the search results so that we can reach even more people just like you. All right, let's get into it. Are you ready for this? You know what? Let me tell you a little story about Megan before I let her start talking. <laughs> when I first had this idea of, of starting a VBAC company, it was probably right after I had my first VBAC. And it was just kind of an idea stirring around in my head for years, really. And then by the time I was done having my babies. I was all done having babies and I knew I wanted to jump head on back into doula work and supporting VBAC women. I knew I wanted to get this started as well at the same time. And I knew I wanted a business partner and Megan's name instantly came to my mind. And 
I was like really kind of scared to call her. I'm like, Megan and I, we'd known each other in the doula yeah. community. We'd been to like ICANN meetings together and things like that. And so we knew each other. And but you I even donated some of your sits bath. Or actually, you oh, bought yeah. it for I me. I bought you some Epsom She bought me some Epsom bath. salt bath yes. before my Because if you didn't know, my magnesium. Baby. Yes, yes. yes. What, yeah. what? So I reached out to her. She was killing it in the doula world. She had been, you know, she had rocked her VBAC after two C-sections by this point. And she it was just an incredible human and an incredible doula and an incredible mom. Mm-hmm. And I was so nervous to approach mm-hmm. her about this because if it wasn't her, I didn't know who else I would want to be on this journey with me. And so she, so I took her out for chocolate cake to sweeten the deal a little bit. <laughs> and, uh, and, and she said, yes, I feel like I know what a man feels like when he proposes to <laughs> His, wife, his future wife, right? I'm like, oh, she said yes. She said yes. She made me wait a week, though. I did make so that you was wait. Rough, I, had, but, uh, <laughs> I went on vacation, you guys. So yeah, she's it was in Mexico, just not on my so mind. Yeah. No, you know. But um, but yes, it's been a, a real journey and an incredible ride with her. And before, you know, even though, like, it was my idea at the beginning, like, to, to do all of this, I feel like right now it's like, our company like I couldn't mm-hmm. imagine this being in, at anywhere near where it is right now if it wasn't for her and so I feel like it's gone from me to we and um, pretty mm. couple little bumps along the way but it's but we're fun. here and it's been incredible it's been and awesome. before I turn this into the I love Megan show <laughs> um, even though I do love Megan I'm going to let her share her be back after two c-section story with you and then we're going to talk a little bit about some statistics surrounding VBAC after multiple cesareans. Well, thank you for making me blush over here. <laughs> and I, it, the feeling is mutual. I absolutely love working with Julie and being here alongside with all of you. This has just been an amazing journey. So yeah, my story, it is just a long one. So I'll just kind of give you a little bit brief uh, introduction into my two C-sections. So I, my husband and I got married and I immediately wanted to have babies and he did not Mm -hmm. quite yet. And I'm actually glad that we didn't because we had a lot of fun. But when it came down to it and we were ready to have babies, I got pregnant. We were so excited. And, you know, I was young. I, I was young. I was 23. And I didn't really focus too much on birth. I didn't pay attention to the way babies even like got like the physics of birth. Like I didn't really pay attention to it. Um, I didn't really take any childbirth classes. I just enjoyed being pregnant, enjoyed, you know, every little stage of mm-hmm. movement. And then of course the acid reflux. So that was oh. joyful and just really enjoyed my pregnancy. And then it came down to the end and I was swollen and I was miserable and I was ready to just meet my baby. And so I was doing all the things in the book, you know, running up and down hills, swinging on swings, jumping on trampolines. Mm-hmm. I went pretty far and actually drank castor oil. Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I drank that because I was so desperate to just have my baby because I was so miserable. And a few hours later, my water broke. Now, I don't know if that was coincidence or if castor oil just worked, but it happened. And I woke up and I remember feeling like, oh my gosh, like this is it. I'm going to have my baby. Mm. Like 
tomorrow because it was 11 p.m. <laughs> and I told my husband to wake up because, you know, my water broke. And I started getting in the shower and getting ready. And I can start, I started kind of feeling some contractions here and there, little tiny ones. But, you know, my doctor said, if your water breaks, come right in. So I didn't know any different. So I took a shower really quick because I wanted to feel a little bit ready. And that's what we did. We packed our bag. I got a towel to sit on so I didn't get the seat wet. <laughs> and we headed to the hospital. So I got to the hospital and they checked me. And I was a one, mm. a lovely one. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, and contractions weren't bad. They were, they were okay. But then shortly after they came in and they said, all right, we're going to have to start Pitocin. And I was like, okay. Oh, whatever that is. And mm-hmm. then I really felt what that was. And I was clinging to the bed and begging my husband, help me do something. But I didn't want an epidural. And he was like, get an epidural. I'm like, no, no, no. But then I <laughs> just didn't know what to do. So I got an epidural and I sat there. I sat there in the bed. I didn't move. I didn't go to side to side, really. I, I mean, barely. I just sat there. And a couple hours later, I was checked and I was like three centimeters. And I was kind of feeling excited. I was like, okay, like this is going. So I, I checked in at one, that was at like five. So like from one to five, I went from one to a three. And I thought I was doing pretty good. And then by 9am, I was still a three. Mm. And that was hard. And they continued to up my Pitocin. Um, they did say that my baby had a little D cell, but they weren't concerned about it. And at noon, I was still a three. And my doctor came in, and said, we're going to, if you haven't progressed in an hour, we're going to go down to the OR and have a C-section. And I remember it hitting me because my mom, she had C-sections with my sister and I and with the same doctor, ironically enough. And I didn't want that. And I told him that I didn't want a C-section even in the prenatals. And he was like, oh, no, it's fine. Like, Because my mom had uh, C-sections because her pelvis was too small. Mm. and um, and I was too I was too big yeah (laughs) and he told me that you know don't worry like women's bodies they make their babies as big as they need to get them out and so I just was like okay so when he came in and he told me that I was just like what wait a second and I crumbled I crumbled and I didn't know what to do and so I just sat there and for the next hour because I didn't really have anyone helping me do anything you know, I just kept turning up Pitocin. And an hour later, I was still a three. And so he gave my husband a jump shoot and wheeled me down to the OR. Mm. And I laid there and they strapped me to the table, uh, my arms. And I remember just laying there and I was freezing. And I can, all I can remember about that birth is the doctor and the assistant talking about the recent trip, my doctor just got back from Hawaii, lucky him, and that was the first snowstorm of the year, and it was a big one. I didn't even know what was happening outside, but they were talking about how terrible it was to be back, and that's all I really remember other than my husband bringing my baby over to me for a little second, and then they were gone, mm. and I was alone, and I went back into recovery, and I was so swollen, and I could hardly keep my eyes open and hardly hold my baby And then we went back and yeah, I was like, whoa, like I was happy to have my baby. I was happy to have her in my arms, but I was, I was struggling. 
So after that, I kind of started researching a little bit because at that point I still had heard once a cesarean, always a cesarean. My mom had two cesareans. So I figured that was my fate. That's what Mm. I was going to do. I was going to deliver via cesarean section for all my babies. And then I realized there's a thing called VBAC vaginal birth after cesarean and I was like what (laughs) it is possible I'm going to do that that's what I want to do and I started becoming pretty passionate about it and started really educating myself you know kind of ironically enough for some reason uterine rupture didn't scare me um, when I was prepping for that birth at all Mm -hmm. Um, I don't even think I remember paying attention to it yeah But I started prepping, I started researching, I started really wanting to hear stories, reading blogs. Podcasts weren't really a thing back then. Maybe they were, but I didn't know about them. I think they were just brand new. Maybe. Yeah. So I didn't really know. So I just read a lot of stories and talked to a lot of people. My doctor said, absolutely, that is no problem. We will totally let you be back. And I was like, okay, cool. So then my friend had a, a vaginal birth, unmedicated, at home. And she told me her story. And I was like, whoa. I was blown <laughs> away. And she talked to me about her midwife and her doula. And I was like, doula? What? What's a doula? I still hadn't even known. Like, I'd done all this research about VBAC, and I still didn't even really know what a doula was. And so she talked to me and was like, you should hire my doula. She'll she'll take care of you. And so I was like, okay. So I told my husband, I was like, okay, I want a doula. And he's like, what? A doula? What a is doula? that? <laughs> and I told him, and he was a little upset. And he was like, uh, No. We're not doing that. Like, we're not spending money on an extra person to come and replace me. And I remember that conversation just like it was yesterday. We were out to eat at dinner. And I was like, what? Wait, no, no, no. It's not like that. It's not like that. And he he was totally turned off to the idea. And he just didn't understand. And so later on into my pregnancy, it was I was 38 weeks, like two days. And he's like, hey, I have a business trip that I have to take. (laughs) I was like, okay. (laughs) So he left. He's like, it's fine. You're not going to have your baby. And the day he left, I started losing mucus plug. And I was like, oh, something's happening. And he's like, no, like you'll be fine. I was like, okay. And then the next day, my water broke again. Mm. No contractions this time. And so I called him and told him, well, you better come home because we're going to have a baby. And I knew I wanted to wait. And I started getting on my VBAC forums. And I was like, okay, my water broke. What do I do? Like, you know, and all these women are talking to me and telling me, like, just wait, wait it out. Like, go to sleep, eat, rest. All the same things that a a doula would recommend. (laughs) And I was like, okay, all right. And so that was at like three o'clock. And the day continued. And finally, my husband got home. But right before that, I was like, okay, I'm just going to start pumping. I'm just going to see if I can get this these contractions going and so I was like "Ooh, I actually think I'm starting to feel something so I started pumping and getting some contractions and was really excited and then a big gush happened just all over the floor I mean like in the movies like all over the carpet (laughs) and then footprints wet footprints all the way (laughs) my cousin was with me and she's like oh boy and so contractions kind of started a little bit after that and so I like took a shower and waited for my husband and kept you know kind of texting and it was March and so it was a little warm outside and my mom went with me around the block and she kept saying things like oh you're gonna have a dry birth it's been so long and and I was like dry birth I don't Mm -hmm. even know what that is (laughs) and she's like what if the hospital doesn't have room for you and then my Mm -hmm. husband got home and he was like why are you at the hospital and so I started getting a lot of pressure to get to the hospital 
and I didn't have a doula or anything. My, my doula or my cousin was with me, but she kind of didn't feel welcome, I guess, because of the outside pressure that was coming in, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Um, and so she left and we all got in the car, took my daughter, got to the hospital, confirmed my water broke. And they're like, okay, you're going to stay here. I was like, okay. I requested a doula or a, guys, I love doulas apparently. I requested Mm -hmm. a nurse that was um, VBAC friendly and unmedicated friendly because I really wanted to go unmedicated, even though I really didn't even do that much to prep. Thinking back, like I thought I did, but I didn't. And so she came in and oh my gosh, she was amazing. She was absolutely amazing. She also was a doula before she became a labor and delivery nurse. So she was helping with counter pressure and the peanut ball and just really helping me and my cute husband he was so exhausted I think of just (laughs) making his way home then he went to sleep and so her and I we just chatted we chatted about doula we chatted about her journey you know of how she became a doula and a labor and delivery nurse and she just wanted this feedback for me and I started saying like okay like what can you give me I give me something I want something like help this labor go and she asked my doctor and my doctor said no no pitocin nothing you know we'll review in the morning so her shift ended at seven and everything shifted the energy the positivity the feeling that someone was with me was gone my husband was there and I love him dearly but my doctor really put fear in his eyes and really really encouraged him to encourage me to have another repeat cesarean Mm. the first birth he told me that my pelvis was too small and that I was failure to progress. My body wouldn't dilate. This time, my pelvis wasn't too small. It was that it was failure to progress. And if Your my, pelvis got bigger. My pel- apparently, <laughs> I don't know. It's magic. Because um, he just said that if my, my body just, uh, if my water wouldn't have broken, my body would have dilated. But it didn't, didn't know how. So I didn't really understand <laughs> that concept. So I asked for an hour of movement and what happened during that hour is everything stopped i think my mind you were afraid my mind um shut everything off it's amazing what our minds do so i started walking and i never had a contraction after that Mm. now that i remember anyway though i could feel and um so i was begging for a foley i was begging for pitocin i was begging for everything and he said that just it was not possible and so we made the ultimate decision to walk down to that OR and have a repeat cesarean. And, you know, this time it was a little bit he- more healing. It was better. My husband remembered that I wanted to watch it, that I wanted to skin to skin, that I wanted to be a part of it. I had music playing. So it was a lot better and a lot more healing than the first one. But I got out of that OR and was in the dark recovery room. And I was like, this is not what I want. I want a vaginal birth. Like, I really want a vaginal birth. And then I decided to become a doula (laughs) at that point. I started reading all about doulas and how to become a doula and what doulas really do. And I was like, whoa, this is me. This is me. Mm -hmm. And so I signed up for my course before I even left the hospital and was super excited. So I started becoming a doula. And all through my doula journey, you know, supporting women, I... I learned a lot. I learned a lot. And I knew that if we were going to have another baby, I still wanted to go for a vaginal birth. And so we made the ultimate decision to have a third. And I got pregnant and I was really excited. And I was gung-ho this time. I mean, I thought I prepped last time, but no, 
I mean, I was going to prep this time. Mm-hmm. I was going to go to chiropractic care. I was going to take a childbirth education class. My cousin and I were pregnant together, and our cute husbands weren't super wanting to go to the childbirth education class, so we went together. So we took hypnobirthing. I practiced. I I had a mother's blessing. I did a fear release. I did so much to really get, you know, my my chances to be possible. And a little backstory, I guess I kind of skipped out on that is before I even got pregnant, I interviewed a lot of doctors and midwives, actually, even. And a lot of them told me that, you know, my doctor was probably right. I probably never would get a baby out of my pelvis. And it was too small. And that I probably shouldn't. It was too dangerous. Not not a good idea to try. You know, try. I got that. If you were my wife or my daughter, I wouldn't try it. And finally, I found an OB here locally in Utah, and he didn't do that to me at all. He was like, yeah, you know, I wasn't there, but from what I gather, you didn't get a chance. And he made me feel like I could do it, and I loved it. So I stuck with him, and I was like, this is going to be awesome. And so um, I continued my care with him and prepping And midway through pregnancy, I attended a birth as a doula with a good friend of mine and got to witness her birth with a midwife. And it was an out-of-hospital birth. It was a birth center. And this is actually the same friend that talked to me about the doula and her midwife that had her home birth the last time. So Mm. actually the same friend. Um, So I kind of got to see this midwife in action. And... You know when you just have those moments where it's like, whoa, (laughs) like what just happened? I mean, I saw a birth and I loved the birth, but the midwife blew me away. And it was probably so not appropriate, but I totally asked her at that birth. I'm like, can I come talk to you? Can I come see you? I I want a vaginal birth and I want to talk to you. And so she said, absolutely. So I got my op reports and I went and took them up to her and she did a, she did like a pelvic check and everything. She's like, this pelvis is pretty dang roomy. Like you're good. Like you just haven't had a chance. I absolutely feel confident in you delivering vaginally. So I left that visit and there was something there. There was something there. And I ultimately decided to change care, even though I loved my OB, still love him dearly today, suggest him to a lot of you know our VBAC mm-hmm. Julie suggests too like he's very well known in our community but something just felt right in a different way and so I started care with her and during that care I didn't realize just how many emotions were still locked mm. even with fear of release and stuff you know I had a lot of emotions tied something that my doctor told me when during my second C-section was he was glad that I chose that I did not VBAC because I for sure he used those words for sure sure. would have ruptured because my uterus was so thin so now that I know what that means I probably had a a window you know but the uterus was stretched out so I, I continued my care and every single time I would have a bad week and I'd go up and I'd see her and she would just build me right up. And I'd be like, oh, okay, it's going to be okay. Like she's, she's in my corner and I had doulas and my doulas had worked with her. And I just, I knew this team was solid. So 40 weeks, four days. I'd never gone over my due date. It was really weird for me, but I was content as all get out because I knew this baby would come when he was ready. My water broke. 
again. And I had done everything I could to make it so this water would not break. You know, and I contracted a little bit leading up to it, which I had never done before. But man, I was frustrated. And if you guys could have only seen me, I was stomping around in my driveway saying, if my water just wouldn't have broken, I would have, I would get my V back. And I was just processing right there. I was processing and, you know, it was just a lot. So that, that day I went up to my midwife for my normal visit. It was almost 41 week visit and saw her and she was like, you're one centimeter. Oh my god! And gosh. I was like, okay. Like I had been contracting all morning and, you know, not, not intense, but it was, I was contracting and I was having a lot of back labor and I was like, okay. And she's like, you know, I had gone to the chiropractor and and seen her and she had worked on me. She's like, go home, rest, like just go to sleep. And I was like, okay. So my doula actually came over. We worked with some rebozo and then she left and I went and took a nap and labor kind of stopped for a minute. You know, and I think that was good for me. I rested. And then I woke up and things were going again. And it was rough. It was rough. You know, for anyone who's had back labor, oh, it's so not, hard. It's a whole different type of labor. I mean, it really is. And it just sucked. <laughs> That's the very moment. It sucked. Um, and so my midwife and I, we were communicating and talking back and forth with the doulas and, you know, just having plans and working with the peanut ball and getting positions and pumping and trying to get these contractions to turn a corner. And so we met that night and we agreed to, I got adjusted again and we agreed to do a fully. And I was like, yes. And I was two centimeters at that point. So I was like, okay, (laughs) you're going to do a fully. This is going to help me. Like I was so excited. And so I laid there, I got the fully and I went home and I was really excited and Mm. I had to pee really bad <laughs> and so I went in and I sat on the toilet and guess what happened your folly bulb fell out freaking popped oh. yeah it popped and I thought to myself well dang it oh no and then I stopped and I thought and I said you know what it's not the way it's not the way I need to dilate for whatever reason wasn't the way I needed to dilate but I needed to continue going so I continued and laboring and it was just a fun night you know Fun night. If anyone hasn't heard about my lovely husband's episode, yep. <laughs> tell him. Tell him. <laughs> Call him out. Back in the back in the husband episode. Oh, you guys! I was a moaning and a groaning. I was coping loudly, and I chose my little boy's room. That's just kind of where I felt comfortable and I felt close to my little boy. And my cute husband at three a.m. He was so frustrated. <laughs> he brought my pillow in. And he shoved it in my face and said, muffle yourself. We're trying to sleep. And I was like, oh, muffle yourself. No, 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 no. And um, it was kind of a funny thing now. But I was not very happy. So I continued and the sun was about to come up. And my cousin and I um, were together and we went for a walk around the block. And there was something that shifted. Something shifted on that walk. And I was like, oh. Oh my gosh, like I've never experienced this and I was really excited and I had this all this motivation. And so we text my midwife and my doulas and we all made a plan to meet at the birth center at 9 a.m. And we're like, okay, this is going to be good. And I was like, I'm going to be dilated and I'm going to be having this baby. It's going to be good. And so we got there and we went into the room and something that Danielle knew so much about me is I get stuck in my head Mm -hmm. big time. And I almost tried to like, doula myself with 
but like I couldn't even do a lot myself. Like I was just so stuck in my head. So she checked me and she was like, okay, we're going to go upstairs and we're going to have a baby. And I was like, what? Like, really? And I was like, what am I dilated to? And she was like, don't worry about it right now. We've got some work to do. It's going to be okay, but we're going to go upstairs and we're going to have a baby. And I was like, okay, all right. Yeah. And so we went upstairs, you know, and I'm laboring and I'm, I'm doing my thing. And I remember walking around the corner and my midwife had this smile on her face and she flashed the number four at me. And I was like, I'm four centimeters. I've never been four centimeters before ever. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm doing it. But like so many women would probably be like, I'm only four <laughs> centimeters. It has been almost two days and, you know, 24 hours over that. Oh and I was like, I was just elated. I was so excited. And so we just went in and we just kept laboring and we were going and my doulas were there and we were doing abdominal lifts and we were doing rebozo and we were doing peanut ball. And I was just needing a lot of counter pressure. I was very needy. My husband's mm. right. I was needy. I had a lot of hands on me. And there was a moment that, you know, I had literally I had four people's hands on me. No, five. I had five people's hands on me. And I was just like, I need more. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and my doula said, why don't we get a change of scenery? Let's go outside. And, you know, it's in July. Actually, mm. it was, yeah, it was July 1st at this point. Yeah. And I was like, okay. So we went outside and I sat on this peanut ball and we did some abdominal lifts. And I leaned back into my doula's arms and my husband was there, like, falling asleep on my leg. And and my other doula, I, I had many doulas, so I tell you, I was needy. And my other doula was giving me water. And then I had my other friend and my doula taking pictures. And my midwife was checking on me. And all I could do was focus on the sycamore tree that I was under. It's all I could focus on. And I was, it was sick. And I was concerned about it. It was sick. And I could tell <laughs> it was sick. Sycamore. It, yeah, it was, it was sick. And it had anthracnose. And I recognized that because my tree was going through anthracnose. Oh and, <laughs> and I was just started talking about this tree and how it was sick. And everyone just looking at me like, what is she Labor doing? Land. What is she doing? <laughs> And you know what? I It was seriously one of the most enjoyable moments and memorable moments of my entire labor. And I think that's what my mind needed. A distraction. It needed, it needed a distraction. Mm -hmm. It needed to go away from it what did. was happening. And I just, I loved it. And everyone was like, she is out of this world. Like, what is she talking about? <laughs> but I needed it. And so we got, we went back inside. And we walked up the stairs and, you know, kind of doing like mile circuit, walking up the stairs sideways, getting the hips moving. And we went back in and I remember labor just kind of picked up a little bit and I got a cervical check and I was six centimeters. <gasps> yes. Huge. <laughs> huge for me. I was huge. And I was like, oh my gosh, still having butt labor. I mean, this wasn't even back labor anymore. Butt it labor. was butt labor. You know, my <laughs> chiropractor that I, that I uh, told you I got adjusted again that night before. She worked some magic, and that baby got low, 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 like two, plus two station, which is really low. And um, especially for being four, six centimeters. Yeah, when I was four yeah. that morning, and yeah. the baby was so low, and so my body was just ready. Like she helped my body get, and I will forever be grateful for her as well. In fact, I have a picture of me right after labor, and I called her. My midwife dialed her, and I called her, and I was like, I did it, Christine, Aww. I did it. And I was so excited. But um, so we went in, and, you know, things were just going, and I was six, and I was feeling really excited, and then I hit that, like, little, 
down. Like, mm. this is not going to happen. Like, this is taking <laughs> forever moment. And I was on the toilet laboring, you know, and trying to get things going. And and my cute doulas, they went in and they did like a circle, a prayer circle. Mm. And um, I was getting like a non-stress test. My midwife just wanted to make sure everything was looking good and, and everything was good. And they went in and they did this cute prayer circle and they came back in and they said I found this out after they said that that's when my midwife checked me she checked me and was like okay I was on the toilet and she's like okay I was like what okay what (laughs) and like she walked away and she brought a birth stool in and like I mentally knew what that meant I had seen it before but it couldn't have been there was no way right Mm -hmm. and I was like what's happening what is happening and my doula's like you're gonna have a baby I was like, no. And my midwife like invited me over to the to the birth stool and she was like, Let's let's have a baby. She's like, You're gonna have a baby right now. And I was like, What? Yay. And so they set me up and I sat on the stool and I had everyone surrounded me and my husband was behind me holding me. And I just remember looking down at my midwife and I was like, This is happening and she's like, Okay. She's like, You're gonna push. I was like, Okay. All right. So I started pushing and everyone's face, everyone's face just lit up. And I was like, something happened. And then I remember feeling so much pressure and saying that there's so much pressure. And they're like, yeah, that's your baby's head. And so the next contraction, I pushed again. And my midwife said, Megan, grab your baby's head. He's right here. And I reached down and I kind of felt his cute little soft head and I went all the way down and I kind of felt down into like almost his shoulder area and I pulled him out and I brought him up onto my chest and my husband was behind me and he was crying. He, (laughs) he doesn't cry and I'm crying. And if you've seen the image, it's pretty raw, but I was like, I did it. And my duels were crying and my midwife was crying. Everyone was just crying. And I had him on my chest and I just yelled out to, (laughs) I'll never forget. I yelled out my doctor's name and I said, screw you. (laughs) That's all I wanted to say is I did it and screw you to the doctor. (laughs) Because I was like, yeah, yeah, I just did that. I just pushed this baby out of my vagina and it was amazing. And, um, So, yeah, so it was just an amazing moment. My husband was there and holding, and I remember I got to cut the cord, and that was pretty cool. Um, And then going back into the room and just resting and breastfeeding and having my team around me and my phone just blowing up because my friends were hearing that I was in labor, but they didn't know what was happening, and they all wanted me to be back. And I was just so excited, so excited to say, you guys, I did it. I did it. And I wouldn't have been able to do it without my team that I had. So thank you to all my doulas and to my amazing midwife, Danielle Demeter, and to my husband, because without all of them, that absolutely- And to me for the Epsom salts. And to you for the Epsom salts, <laughs> which I did. And I didn't tear. It had no That's tear. right, it had to be the salts. But guess what? I <laughs> did soak a lot in that bathtub um, with the Epsom salt, and I loved it. So it was, it was an amazing journey. It was an emotional journey. There was a lot- that went into it. There was a lot of prep. Uh, and even during the moment, I mean, here I was looking at the sycamore tree. All I could do was talk about the sycamore You're tree. Sick sycamore. You know, and I, there was a lot of stuff. And there was a moment where my midwife, she just, 
she just hugged me and she held on to me and she whispered in my ear and told me that I was strong and told me that I was okay and that this was going to be okay. And I believed her and everything turned out beautiful and I wouldn't have changed anything at all. I love that story. I could just sit and listen to it all the time. And this is not the first time I've heard it, but I think every time I learn something new, like the sycamore tree, I had no idea, but like it makes total yeah. sense. Like just knowing you and how you operate and I know. needing to get out of your own head. My and stuff. spacey sometimes, brain. <laughs> well, sometimes that's just all you need. And me too. I'm like, like today I, we've been working really hard on a special project and I just had to clean my house and like Marie Kondo my laundry yeah. and <laughs> get everything ready. And you know, it is so true though. Sometimes you just have to disconnect and get out of your head. And in labor, when things stall or not really stall, a stall is not the right word because you didn't stall. But like if things are progressing a little slower than normal. It was just or, slow. My baby was in the yeah, wrong spot. Yeah. We had to work hard to get him in yeah. the right spot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we have a poor, we had a poorly positioned baby. We had possibly some like mental hangups. Yeah. Yeah. And you, and you have to work through all of those. So like not only is a physical preparation important, like for your body, okay, take care of yourself, chiropractic care, nutrition and exercise and all those things. Make sure that your baby is in a good position and make sure that your mind is healthy and strong and doesn't have anything that's going to hang it up or trigger it while you're in labor. And Megan conquered lots of things through her labor and she did it. And I'm so proud of her. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. But right now I'm going to show you, um, we have up on the blog today, blog about five uh, five things that you didn't know about VBAC after two C-sections. Now, a lot of times people get scared. They're like, oh, I don't know how many times I've counted. I, I, if I had a dollar, like I'd be so rich. We'd be so rich. Uh, <laughs> it's like yeah. you hear people in the Facebook groups or, or anywhere saying, oh my gosh, a VBAC after five C-section or a VBAC after two C-sections, you have a 50% chance of rupture or it's definitely not safe or you have to be induced or have a C-section mm -hmm. by the time you're 38 weeks because if you get past that, then your uterus is going to explode. And none of those things are true. so scary, but yeah. it sticks with but you. But it is scary. It does stick with you. And there's so many misconceptions about that. About that. And so Absolutely. we're going to say, say five things. Um, like I said, it's on our blog, but we're going to go over them very briefly if you want the full dish then check out our blog the vbacklink.com slash blog so fact number one your chances of a successful vbac after two c-sections are similar to those after uh vbac after There's just one, one c-section mm -hmm. even acog's practice bulletin 205 there's, they reference two large studies, and the studies show uh, that re that VBAC after two C-sections is a reasonable option for most women, just like it is for one. And the interesting thing is they cite that the success rates between the two, VBAC and VBAC after two C-sections, vary by only about 2% or less, which means the total number of successes. So like if there's 68% chance success for VBAC, then there's 66% chance of success for VBAC after two C-sections. I hope that makes sense. Number two, we already said it, I guess, is ACOG recommends VBAC after two C-sections as a safe option. Mm -hmm. And they've done that since 2010, P.S. Since That's 2010. Yeah, it's been nine years. But yet so many people are still kind of waiting to catch up to that. The third fact is choosing a repeat C-section does not eliminate your chance of rupture. What? Did you know that? It's the actual 
C-section itself that puts you at risk for a rupture. So a lot of times we think, oh, well, I have to attempt a VBAC in order for me to have a rupture. So if I just schedule a C-section, then it eliminates that risk. Mm -hmm. But guess what? It doesn't. And in fact, in one study, um, a published national data from the CDC shows that uterine ruptures rates happened in this particular year, higher rates of rupture in women that had scheduled C-sections as opposed to those who attempted a trial of labor, which is really interesting. That is interesting. I have the report. It's it's in my it's in my arsenal of statistics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, if you need that, then reach out to me. I can I'll actually probably link it in the blog. So, fact number four: there are things that you can do to minimize your risk of uterine rupture, and that is waiting mm-hmm. for you know. There's a whole bunch of them listed on our blog, but stay away from an induction unless absolutely necessary. And if it is necessary, start low and slow, nice mm-hmm. and slow and gradual. Um, avoid Cytotec, Misoprostol completely. That's going to quintuple your risk of rupture rate. Actually, it's pretty scary. In fact, most doctors should know not to use that right uh, by now. But avoid excessive intervention. Stay mobile. If you don't want to go without the epidural, go as long as you can without getting one because that's going to help you to be be able to yeah allow you to be mobile help get you in a better position and baby in a better position and when body and baby are in better position the uterus doesn't have to work as hard in order to get that baby here right and again speaking of baby's position make sure that baby's in a great position um if not there are things you can do like spinning babies and the mile circuit and abdominal lifts and side lying and everything so many things to help you get that baby in a good position um, avoid breaking your water if baby's not in an optimal position. Mm-hmm. Um, and have a f- attentive labor support with you all of the time. Mm-hmm. This means from a doula or somebody that knows how normal what normal birth patterns look, look like. like. Yep. Um, and then lastly about that, honor your intuition because because let me tell you what, 10 times out of 10, a mom's intuition is going to be right. And so if something doesn't feel right to you, speak up and demand that you are heard. And then the fifth fact about VBAC after two C-sections is that the risk for rupture is still incredibly low and maybe even the same as a VBAC after just one C-section. Now, there's a limit on a lot of um, VBAC after two C-sections research. Is it The limit to those studies is that there's almost no controls for Pitocin or use of other drugs or interventions. And they might play a significant factor, but um, nearly all of the VBAC two C-sections, the VBAC after two C-section studies that exist actually aggressively use Pitocin and other interventions for more than half of their participants. Isn't that insane? Right? So when you're looking at a study and then you're aggressively using Pitocin, that could impact the the chance or the Mm -hmm. amount of women that rupture. So it's really impossible to know for sure what like the true underlying rate of rupture is in VBAC um, after two C-sections, although it seems very likely that the average rupture rate after feedback after two C-sections is at the most 1.4%. And that is cited in the ACOG bulletin Bulletin. number 205. So it could also be, uh, like I said, drastically reduced by inducing less, inducing only when the cervix is ripe and when induction is truly needed and using drugs that intervene a lot less. 
So with all of that information about VBAC after two C-sections, find it on our blog. We've linked to all the credible studies and all the resources that you need so that you can have an educated conversation with your doctor or your mom or your husband or your anybody that you know, because mm -hmm. now you're armed with the actual information and the statistics to back you up. Megan! Thank yeah, you for sharing your story no. today with us. <laughs> Thank you. And I wish I wish that I had those stats. I wish that I had our class <laughs> yeah. um, back then because class there were so awesome. many people that would tell me some really scary things. And I wish I would have just had all of those facts and stats right there in my back pocket because it's a little overwhelming to go and search for all of those things. So I love that you're that we're sharing these and, you know, I love our class, obviously, but um, I just remember so many times where I'm like, oh, I just wish I could just prove like to someone like it's not as bad. It's not as scary as you think. Mm -hmm. So and yeah. speaking of our class, did you know that we have our very own at your own pace yeah. online VBAC prep class that you can take and you can enroll in right now. You can find all the info at the vbacklink.com slash vbac dash class. And if you get lost, then just head to the vbacklink.com. There's going to be a big old menu button right there for you to click. Interested in sharing your VBAC? Head over to the vbacklink.com slash share to submit your story. For information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, and Julie and Megan's bios, head over to thevbaclink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.